0: Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today. And you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. So we hunted a piece at one time that was privately owned and it was uh, 214 acres, something like that. And it was near Cuthbert. Um, But they came through, we had beautiful, big hardwood bottoms. And the gentleman who owned the property, he says, oh, they're going to come in. They're just going to go and cut the mature oak trees. That's what they were supposed to do. And but they won't cut anything thirty feet from the creek bottom. Or they'll and they'll leave a like a thirty yard buffer at the road so you couldn't see into the, the woods good from the road. And they came through and clear cut everything. Uh but they left their buffer, but they clear cut the bottoms, just whoosh, waxed it. But the first year that was rough, about two years after that, that was some killer hunting in there. 'Cause it got it just all got real tall and the deer would bed down in it and we would hunt the edge. And you still had a big bottom area down there, you know, sixty yards wide.
1: Yeah, they can so. walk around the edge yeah. of it, picking I mean, them up two hundred yards is, out.
0: Is that pretty much a
2: disclaimer though that they give you when you when you lease it like down in the fine print that just says, Hey, um, uh, we can come clear this whole damn thing at any time.
0: So whenever you lease from a timber company, that is a disclaimer in there. Yeah. This is they're like, these are our trees, we can do what we want with them. We'll give you a notice. We, we, most of the time we'll give you notice. Sometimes we don't.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's the thing I'd be wondering about is, uh, so, okay, I'm going to start my lease, uh, you know, uh,
0: timber company lease 2022. I say timber company leases usually run May to May.
2: Yeah. So I guess I would say, so what's your schedule for, for cutting and clearing? Are you, are you planning anything?
0: So when I was talking about that lease I had from the timber company, um, I asked them that before I leased it. I said, what what do you guys plan on cutting in the next couple of years? Yeah. They said, oh, this uh, section right here on the edge of your property, it was like <clears throat> 115 acres. And I was like, oh, that's fine. That's great. That's some really thick stuff. We can actually get in there and maybe get a box stand up or something and use your roads to run some, you know, plant some food plots or whatever. And then uh, they brought the log and stuff in. I was like, oh, they're finally going to cut it because we got most of the way through the season that year. Then they just came, I came back out the next week and this half of the stuff we hunted in was gone. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, well, you know, it's wet. It's rained a lot. So we're just going to cut on your place. And I'm like, oh, thanks for sending me an email. Yeah. Like, let me know to, hey, come get your crap. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it to the guys that were driving the the cutters and loaders and stuff because they did. Um, I didn't lose a single tree stand or trail camera or anything. They pulled all that stuff down. And uh, I called the the head boss, the foreman out there. He's like, yeah. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm missing a trail camera. He's like, oh, it's in the back of that big D5. Hopped up in there right behind the seat. There it's at. Nice. I mean, and that was a tiny little thing. It was about as big as this little tiny Yeti cup, this highballer Yeti cup on a tree. And the guy found it, pulled it off threw it in the back of the D5, and they just kept on going.
2: I was telling, I was telling um, Jim uh, about, you know, you guys had a guest on, I don't know, a few weeks ago or so. And um can't remember sorry the guy's name but um Vince a, a lot of the discussion from was, Whitetail Properties yeah from Whitetail Properties talking pri- about private land and all good man.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah we just got kind of had a discussion about uh you know man you know public land it's it's so awesome to have public land and all that stuff but um uh, you know i've been i've been out kind of scouting uh, um this season a lot of uh, bull creek and man it is pressured i mean there is trucks out at every game trail and, um, you know, I was just thinking about that while I was out there last time and just thinking about private land and how nice that's gotta be. You know what I mean? Especially if it's just yours.
1: Well, he also uh, what, got, so we're, we're up in Georgia and, um, uh, <clears throat> <I did, laughs> it was kind of a comedy of yours. I did a dumb thing. We decided we were going to get up at six thirty, and I was so tired that I set my alarm I didn't set my alarm. I ended up setting my timer for six hours and 30 minutes. But I think we went to bed like one or one 30 and my trailer is I like it dark. So it was wicked dark. So we get up and I was like, I'm going to hear birds chirping. I was like, get a little early and I go outside to pee and the sun's up. We're like, ah, so we get dressed and I was like, I think I heard an over there. And it was a place in our lease where we've had turkeys before. And we go I'm telling us I should probably let Al tell the story because it was, I'll let you pick it up, man. What, what, did, what did we do? We jumped in the truck, we got out of the truck and what happened?
2: Yeah, we got out of the truck and um, we we start heading into um, a patch of woods that Jim's, you know, kind of thinking there's going to be turkey at. As soon as we kind of get in into the tree line, I mean, for me, this was pretty awesome. I mean, he, he calls out and uh, we wait a few seconds. And then all of a sudden we hear this turkey out in the distance, this gobbler.
1: It locator calls
2: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it took probably about like five or six seconds afterwards. Right. And, um, and Jim's like pointing in the direction. We're kind of staying quiet and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just following behind Jim. We probably go about, I don't know, a couple, you know, maybe a hundred yards or so more. He calls again, right. When we're in the woods and, um, another five or six seconds goes by and. Gobbler calls back, and I'm like, holy cow, man. We're zoning in on this Gobbler, you know? And we get literally probably about, I don't know, maybe 80 yards away from this Gobbler. He's out in the open field, full-on strutting, got his, you know, fan all out there. And and, uh, so Jim's like, hey, get set up. You know, he's kinda pointing a direct you know, spot for me and he sets up behind me and he's like, You're gonna be the trigger man. I'm just gonna call this guy in, you know, and, and so we get set up and Jim's doing his thing, kinda using his box call and doing a good job and pod, I mean this pot call. Yeah, yeah pot call, call, I'm sorry, and um and he starts coming real close into the tree line, but not I mean, not fully dedicated to going in and then all of a sudden we hear some kind of machinery in the background way off in the background um some kind of maybe a diesel truck or something like that kind of start up and i think that spooks him and he darts off into the woods and then that's it but man my heart was racing because i was thinking this this i mean it's gonna happen right i mean it's gonna happen and uh and he's about to come in man and i'm just like waiting for it and i was in my mind i'm thinking i don't want to let jim down man he's doing a lot of work here and, <laughs> and and i hope i hope i can do a good job you know if he does come in you know getting a good clean shot and uh man but it was so it was you know we didn't we didn't get the turkey but it was cool to um it was cool just getting to that point
0: right I mean, it was it was awesome so go ahead funny thing you talking about uh the pressure put on public land I don't know if I've ever told us on the podcast before, but that's actually where the name came from. You know, we were sitting around uh, well before this podcast ever started. Like, man, what are we going to call it? We, we're going to do a podcast. What are we going to call it? Right. Like, well, you know, and at that time, oddly enough, this is that. You know, I was just talking about that nine hundred acre lease I had before. We were, we had six hundred and sixty-seven, almost six hundred and seventy acres in one spot. And then about three miles down the road, we had another 200 and change to add up all together to be about 900-something acres. And uh, we surrounded on the 600-acre piece. We had a road uh, out in front of us that had houses on it. Just a, it's just an old dirt road. Don't try to drive down it after it rains unless you got full four-wheel drive. I mean, it was bad. That road was terrible. But on all other three sides of that place, we had a... 6,000 acre dog club that was all local guys. And then on one side of that 600 acre piece, we had a 10,000 acre dog club that was a lot of guys out of Jacksonville. Um, And the guys that were local, that was their party spot, hanging out, poker nights every Thursday, constantly out there riding around the woods. It, it'd be like hunting in Ocala National Forest nice people run, register riding just trail riding out there all the time, mm-hmm. uh, through our property and trespass and whatever else. And then our 200 acre piece had a paved road on one side and the other three sides were that 10,000 acre club. Now those guys were great. They had a distaste for the local club, just like we did because they also trespassed on their property and shot deer on their side where they weren't supposed to and so on and so forth. Um, But our deer there were under a lot of pressure just Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't leave the woods alone. And the biggest problem we had was the fact that they wouldn't close the gates. So if you left the gates open and you tried to drive off of one highway to get to something on the other side, Google Maps would take you right through our property. Mm. Don't know why it would do that, but that's how Google Maps. I I literally checked trail cameras one day on a road. We had a a tree stand set on one of the roads. And uh, UPS truck drove by down a dirt road. Oh man, by.
1: where we where our lease is in Georgia, they've changed a little bit. But back in the day, going back like ten years ago, you could drive almost on any road in Georgia, especially a dirt road. And it would tell you that you're coming up on an intersection. And when you got there, there would it be you could look on the map and see the road there, but when you got there, there was nothing but corn on either side or nothing but yeah. Cotton on either side, you know, where, the, you know, somebody had said, well, I got to land on both sides and it doesn't go anywhere, so this road is now field.
0: Sometimes I feel like Google Maps will take you through a rough area, just to remind you how good you got it. Yeah. Doesn't matter where you're going, Google Maps is like, hey, I know it's a little bit faster to just go around this spot, but we're going to take you straight through it. Yeah. And you, you get to that spot, I, I, it, man... Google Maps took me I was going uh down to our we had a lease at one point near Cuthbert and we were coming down from Kentucky over the summer to hunt pigs and uh it wanted me to drive like through this road that cuts in the middle of a farmer's field I'm like I don't want to get shot <laughs> like I'm yeah, just going to yeah. go somewhere else and I kept driving and it rerouted me but it's just like a turn turn right here I'm like that's like barely a two track man like <laughs> Why is that on Google Maps? (laughs) That was a public road back in the day.
1: Yeah. Man, going back to that Al's Turkey story, it it was so heartbreaking. Because he was set up, there there was a tree that had fallen down and when the root ball came up. I mean, he had absolutely perfect smoke and cover. And that turkey was walking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And he would come to this one area that was pretty open. And he would come down, and he would turn and he'd look into the woods. And I wouldn't call because then he'd know something was up. But he's peeking around like, where's that hen? And at one point, he actually did start walking in. Just took a couple of steps. And then he decided yeah. he was going to make one more pass down the field. Because, man, when he started walking in, I, I was hoping he because when he started off, he was more to the right. And when he walked back out, I gave out his quick ps- – because I thought for sure – I mean, I threw my shotgun up because I said, man – i want Al to be the trigger man but if if he comes walking right down and i could i couldn't call the al at that point like i I was worried that if the turkey came walking down that alley and al was over on the other side he ain't getting away but
2: uh yeah and you said that you i mean as we he was calling uh as we were walking up he said look set up over there and i'll tell you what he comes up walking my way where you can't see him. I mean, I'm taking the shot. I said, yeah, just get him. Let's, you know, let's just get him between the two of us. You know what I mean?
1: You know, that's the thing. When you're hunting with another guy, it, it almost doesn't matter who's the caller, who's the trigger man or whatnot. They're just so damn wily. I just, yeah. I just want to be on the thing when the turkey hits the ground. It, I like being the trigger man sometime and I love calling him. But we... Especially those birds up there were so skittish. We had another hard lesson. We were in the next day. We the next day we were kind of in the same spot. Perfect setup. Got there early. We even had a hen fly down. We thought we were. We thought we were. Uh, here it goes. Except it was a hen. Kind of got a little later in the morning, and then way, way off in the distance, I heard a gobbler. And since nothing was going on in our area after a little while, I just let out a locator call, just real loud, rah, 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 you know, a couple minutes later. Boom. I was like, "Oh, there's turkey way out. I mean, way out there. It was just, you know, it was so hard. It was one of those things where you almost don't think you hear it. And then all of a sudden you do definitely hear, Gobbler, oh, well, it's out there. Half an hour passes and nothing's going on. So I let out another locator. And This time I definitely hear the turkey. It's closer. That's when I told Al, I said, Hey man, there's a turkey, you know, out other side of the field. You want to make a move? And he's like, yeah, let's go. I thought you'd heard it at that point. So as I'm picking up my gear, I heard him again. And I had that thought. I'm like, that guy might be coming to find that loud ass hen that's yelling from across the, you know, and then I'm in a hurry. And I even told him as we walked out, I said, this is a bad habit don't walk across an open field. So we, but in my head, I thought that Turkey was still a fair ways away in, on the other side. We go boogieing across that field and I'm thinking, Oh man, it's going to happen. Never heard a peep. Yeah. And as we were sitting there, I'm like, the reason you don't walk across the open field is if that Turkey's only, you know, a little ways into the woods, he sees a walk across the field, he's gone. And, uh, like I kind of broke the cardinal rule, thought I could get away with it, because oh, he's still far away. He wasn't. I'm, I'm positive he wasn't, and he was indeed. I'm sure that that gobbler was coming to find that loud-ass hen. And if we just sat still, we probably would have had a, a little while longer. we probably would have had a show.
0: So if you guys haven't figured it out already this week, we're pretty much talking turkey hunting stories. Uh, did a little bit of impromptu podcast. And uh, Ed, as you all should probably know by now, I'm your host, Will Krebs. We've got Jim.
1: Yeah, Jim drinking a glass of wine. Sorry, we had some pasta earlier with some red sauce.
0: And the man, I guess uh, now we we can say formally known for his epic beard and his really cold beer, uh, Mister Jake. <laughs> I'm here with some really cold beer today. And the epic beard, yes, thanks. Beer <laughs> and uh, and Al Al Solano, hello everyone. So Jake and Al have kind of really been attending a lot of our small game hunts, and Al's been there with us, man, really since we started doing events and and putting stuff on and. Um, So we just kind of threw it together. We're here to tell some turkey stories. Basically, Al
1: only shows up if it's hard. Yeah, pretty much.
0: I don't want to show up when it's only hard, but... (laughs) (laughs) Long distances,
1: lots of sweat, Al's in.
0: But uh, turkey season is really just now starting to kick off. I mean, we've been at it here in Florida for a month, really, Mm -hmm. if you you count your uh, southern zone, but like Georgia just opened last weekend Mm -hmm. and public land opens this weekend in Georgia Um, and a lot of the rest of the southeast and rest of the states across the U.S. are just now kicking off into spring turkey. But of course, you're talking like I'm heading up to Georgia this weekend and it's supposed to be in the 30s. So, uh, it's a whole lot different in Florida sitting outside Mm -hmm. in shorts and t-shirts swatting mosquitoes.
2: I think temperature wise last weekend we were it was pretty cool in the mornings and the evenings and I think Compared to Orlando, we were at least 10 ten degrees colder. Yeah,
1: high 40s, low 50s. Yeah. It wasn't great, but Sunday morning it got hot.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was good, temp, uh, good temperature all the way around in Georgia right now. But, um, you know, one thing I, I did want to mention is that um, aside from what we were – the gobbler we were just talking about, there were two opportunities – that we missed, uh, we bumped some turkey as we were just the first one when we first got there. We uh, Jim was just like, hey, let's walk around and kind of show you the property a little bit. <clears throat> Soon as, what? I don't know. How far off did we walk from the, the trailer? <laughs>
1: that was unusual, man. We, we I don't think we were 50 yards from camp and there was a, we're walking down a farm road and there's a, a little it's just basically shrubs. I mean, it's just scrub, a very narrow, maybe six foot wide batch of scrub on the left hand side of the road. And I think we were pushing a hand down the, I think as we were walking and talking, we weren't yelling and screaming. We were just we were talking real low. And as soon as we got to the end of that shrub line, <laughs> pretty sure it was a hand off into the distance. And, uh, and then the other, yeah. the other
2: one, when we were coming out, uh, we, we thought, you know, we, we were uh, in this spot and we kind of thought, hey, well, let's go maybe try another location. We're walking back to the truck and, you know, just kind of more relaxed where, hey, the truck's right there within view and, uh, you know, coming from the truck to the, into the woods, it's, uh, you know, a couple hundred yards or so and um, we're, we're walking through this path and, nudge Jim on the shoulder or something, I think. And I'm like, look, look. And I mean, cause it was already too late, but the Turkey kind of hurt us and, and started flying off, but it was in definitely shit. within Ski shooting range. range, definitely within shooting range, but just not prepared to, you know, pick up our shotguns and shoot it. I mean, by the I time th- I kinda, didn't get a
1: good enough look, I don't know if that was a
0: gobbler or a hen, though. That's, yeah, you that's can't, the other thing. you
1: can't snap shoot a Turkey.
2: That's the other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So you were talking about the Cardinal will not crossing fields. And like the open ground like that. And I was actually fortunate enough to hunt with a, a pro staffer for Quaker boy one time on a guided hunt that I was selected for, uh, in Kentucky when I was in the military, uh, It was the commander general's Turkey hunt. And they put us all with these Turkey guides and we all got to go out and hunt. I didn't kill a bird then. I still have yet to kill a Turkey, but I learned so much from that guy. And something I never crossed my mind until he pointed it out to me. We're walking in the whole time we're walking in before daylight. He's looking up at the trees because that Turkey in the roost will spot you moving so quick and they're gone. That's it. They're not going to come down. They're going to fly off from that roost and land somewhere else. Cause you think about it. I mean, you think about a, a quote unquote bird's eye view. They have that.
1: That's why they're there. Yeah.
0: And they have eyes like a bird. And they'll see you moving. They'll see your light. They'll see all that stuff.
1: You know, it kills me. How many total turkeys do we probably see? Eight or ten total. Eight. At least, yeah. And then the two on the field that, on the way to town. Um,
2: oh, yeah. And I've
1: I got, got we've got pictures. This amazes me. You know, I've got pictures of five gobblers on a trail cam when it's not turkey season. Or we'll just be totally hemmed up with turkeys when it's not turkey season i don't know where the hell they go during turkey season because those five gobblers
0: they go where the I, hens are
1: well they should be on our property because this logged the neighbor and the other guy just the, another place they, they turned it all into row crop we're like we're the island though that ha- i'm looking forward to deer season because how many does did we bust like <laughs> 30 well, i don't know if they're does or bucks because you know the, the horns are gone right now but I couldn't believe how many deer we were blowing out. Just they were running around scouting.
2: Place. I think one. I think when at one point we went into the woods and, I mean, like five or six of them, just probably about maybe sixty yards, seventy yards away. They just boom. They just started. Ru- I mean, they were everywhere. Everywhere we went, they were there. We saw them.
0: Do you ever plant anything for turkeys, Jim?
1: No. Um, don't plant. Don't run corn. Um, don't cheat at all. Just not my well planning's not cheating, but um, I'm a rule follower. I, and I wait. You hunt over corn for deer sometimes. Sometimes I don't. It's like a public land. I mean, I, I run the whole gambit. Um, admittedly, I hunt over I hunt does over corn, but that's because I'm hunting groceries. I eat it all year, but um, for the most part, bucks won't come. But when it comes to turkeys. I want it
0: to be hard. I just, you know, the only reason I ask that is because having, I mean, I don't know how big your piece is where you're at, but in order to get turkeys to religiously come back, even during turkey season, it's almost beneficial to plant something. Could Uh, be, yeah. I mean, but I've heard that one of the best things to plant for turkeys is chufa, as long as you don't have pigs.
1: But but I ain't planting that. Because we don't have pigs and then we do.
0: Because uh, tur- turkeys love chufa, but the pigs love the roots. So mm-hmm. if you plant that, they will absolutely destroy your food plot. But we've never had pigs where we were, and we're like, the same type you're talking about. All during deer season, we got 10, 11 gobblers wander around together all the time. Turkey season, gone. Don't know where they are.
1: Figure it out someday.
0: You'll hear them when we're out down there in that bottom duck hunting, just gobbling their heads off.
1: Hmm
0: next next property over but they're not on anywhere near our place towards the end of deer season they're off on the other side
1: all right jake so you need to slam that beer or something because i know that uh until you've had the appropriate amount of lubrication you ain't gonna say a word <laughs> but then once you are you once you once you're comfortable man stories roll off so hurry up get in the game brother well,
0: i know you've been turkey hunting
1: have,
0: yeah talk to us
3: i have been turkey hunting i've been unsuccessful but I've been turkey hunting.
0: Welcome to the club. That's that's more than I've done this year.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, this this year is has been real hit or miss if I could even go hunting. So, with all the moving and all the everything. I have got out to the to the closest WMA to me a few times and hasn't been nothing. A few snakes, a few other hunters. It's kind of the place's reputation. But.
1: What are you doing this weekend?
3: dad's coming
1: this weekend. I can't do shit. I was going to offer. I was like, all right, man. I'm I'm thinking about going back. Next
3: weekend, (laughs) though, we can do that.
0: Easter weekend? Is that next weekend? Yeah.
3: See, dude, I got this whole family and work and everything. everything (laughs) It wasn't
2: for this family thing. I'd be hunting all the time, right?
0: Yeah. I hunted so much before I had kids, man. And I still hunt a lot now, but it's, it's taking the kids with me. But I, I remember a time before, you know, me and my wife were married before we had kids. And, um, it literally during deer season, I was gone almost every weekend. And then it was like a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. She's like, What are you doing this weekend? I was like, Well, I, I think I'm, I'm going to stay home and just hang out with you. And she says, Why? I was like, because well, I've been hunting Bye. a lot. Yeah, I've been hunting a lot. She's like, Uh, yeah, I'm going to go get my nails done Saturday. He's like, all right, well, I guess I'm uh, going to the woods then. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, you you working, you take a day off on
1: the 15th? Oh, we'll talk about it later. If you can
0: take a day off on the 15th. Don't look at that calendar. That's still on March. Well, I was say, it's
1: March. It's a, <laughs> anyway, if you can, because if you, if you, know, you got Easter and I think the people are going to want
0: us back, but if you That's can, Good Friday.
3: Eh, i will just say I'm just giving you what we'll day catch it's next the Friday big Friday It's yeah. a good day to shoot a turkey too yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's no real bad day
1: and, and there's no shortage of churches in South Georgia <laughs> I mean we we stopped we drove right by Carver's Cowboy Church Carver's Cowboy Chapel Church uh, anyway
2: we went we went uh, while well, we were out there this weekend turkey hunting we went to Jim took me to this place so what, it's DJ, DJ's? <laughs> was DJ DJ's DJ's well across the street across the street is a big old Baptist church I think it is in uh Anyways, I go in there and, um, they sit us down and I asked the waitress, uh, hey, what kind of beers you got on, on draft or whatever. For some reason, she kind of put her finger over her lips, kind of like the whisper sound and she kind of nodded at me and she like, <laughs> no. no, no. And I was like, uh, okay, no beers. All right. I'll take a Diet Coke then. <laughs> but, uh,
1: this place is out in the middle of nowhere. Um. The, uh, it's it's technically like an Ambrose mailing address. Not that Ambrose is big, but Ambrose does have, by the way, one of the finest firearm shops in the country. Jerry's Gun Shop, um, but I digress. But the interesting thing about this place, this restaurant, is it's across the street from a Baptist church. And it's interesting you look at the structure because you can tell that probably around 1950, it was a small chapel, but they must've had hell of a pastor because after that, what they did is they built a little warehouse on the back of it, taller and broader than the original chapel. <laughs> ah, but that brother was there for a while because he's got Daniel an airport hanger on the back of that thing. <laughs> like you, you see the additions. It's a little wonky. And then they've got this bright red neon sign. You know, just... And it's just out there in the middle of the cotton, right? And across the street, is DJs. And I wouldn't be surprised maybe if DJ's a pastor. If he is, DJ does two things. He eats and he preaches. He's a big boy. Um, But it was interesting. And then, oh, man. Well, this happens all the time. You know, we're from the South, but when you're up in Georgia –
0: What'd you're, she do?
2: You don't feel like you're from the South.
0: No, the further North you go in Florida, the further South you get. No, I, as
2: soon That's as we true. went in there, I think as soon as we went in there, um, yeah, I, I think I, they, they can, you, they just know, they just know. And, uh, anyways, the girl, we, we kind of made a joke cause, uh, the, our waitress, you know, she had this real, you know, Georgia accent and, um, I don't know how it came up, but she goes, uh, you know, you guys aren't from around here, are you? And, uh, Jim was like, no, you know, we're, we're from, you know, down in Seminole County, Seminole County. Well, she asked Jim first, she goes, where where are you from? And, you know, Jim says, Hey, Seminole County or whatever. And then she asked me and, um, I said, girl, I'm from, I'm right here from coffee County. And she's like, you don't sound like you're from coffee. County.' (laughs) I (laughs) I said, well, I'm just from outside of it. You know
3: what I mean?
0: (laughs) We used to, uh in a place we hunted we had a little restaurant i won't name it in case what they're doing was illegal but you couldn't get beer on tap there either but what you could do was bring your own six or twelve pack and pay for fridge space Mm. and they would just bring it to you out of the fridge
1: the first time i went to dj's um i'd actually been up doing some maintenance at camp so i think it was after turkey season so maybe early summer rolling there never been there And the hostess sits me down. And she asks, is this your first time here? Yes, ma'am. Oh, you're going to love it. Then she sat a couple down right next to me in another table. And the couple looks over at me and she goes, is this your first time here? And I said, yes, ma'am, it is, as a matter of fact. Then the waitress comes over, takes my drink order. She asks me, is this your first time here? I'm like, well, yeah. As a matter of fact, it is. Then while she's getting my drink order, another waitress comes over to make sure I've been taken care of. And you know what she asked me?
0: (laughs) Is it your first? See, this this (laughs) is how they know. Look, I was like,
1: but then I saw this. We were in another place, a gas station called Aiden's, which I love to go watch people. And they get the greatest biscuits and gravy. And everything's fried. And uh, a couple of fellas asking us if we were hunting turkeys. And it was pretty clear they knew. I, I didn't really tell them exactly we were hunting at first, you know, and then, but just kind of like even dropping the slightest hints, they had it dialed in and then they knew who we were leasing from. And then one guy goes, yeah, she's my, what was it? Their great, great grandfather so was a common ancestor.
2: What is the name of the, of the road that, that the lease is on? Jane, is it James? Well, nah, I don't want to I tell. Say, I'm not going to say on the podcast. Well, so anyways, let's just full of deer the name, and I don't want people showing up. The name of the road. <laughs> the name of the road is a person's name. Anyways, uh, this guy's grandfather yeah. that we saw in Aiden's was a relative of that guy. And
1: the guy. Said, that, oh well,
2: that was my yeah. grandfather's brother. Yep. And then these old guys get to talking, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's uh, this person's." Uh, family right and, oh yeah yeah you know anyways it was just um it, it's a small town everyone knows everyone and um and they were able to kind of trace it back even to great grandparents
1: yeah it's and, countywide
0: well that, that was like you know we were at that gas station that morning in tennessee going out of the state forest and we're talking to the guy at the gas pump and i'm like oh yeah i used to hunt junior odin's place He's like oh, i know junior him and this and that and the family and all this property and that but goes back 50 years every and we weren't we were still 30 minutes from where he lived mm-hmm. at that yeah. gas station. But that's just small-town America. I love it. So I can tell you how they know you weren't from there. The, was the CJ's?
1: Because y'all sound like Yankees. Nah,
0: man. they ain't even that. It's because oh, you, you went in there time. and you waited for somebody to seat you at a table. You just didn't go to your regular table. That could very well be. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday night. We sit here.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Dude, he made some big old hamburgers, though.
2: They did. Yeah, yeah. they got some good food over there. Um,
0: that's, that's one thing we struggle with where we're at now in Georgia. Well, not anymore, but kind of still. But there's really only one place to eat that's, like, homemade cooking, and that's Moorhead's, and that's a gas station, quasi-gas. They got gas pumps, but it's a daggum- Log Cabin Cathedral inside that gas station. And you can go in there and get some pretty good breakfast. They don't really put salt and pepper in anything. You got to do that yourself. But their biscuits and gravy is pretty good. And their fish fry is not bad. Was it Thursday or Friday nights they do that?
1: That's the crazy thing. You go to the Northeast. One of the greatest attributes to the South is the, the glass gas station food counter. Oh, yeah. Just, it's got two ingredients. Cholesterol and flour. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess three because that's whatever it's covering up, be it protein or vegetable.
2: I guess what would be the difference between a northern gas station and a southern gas station?
1: These have gas to gas station. Oh, we got Wawa. Yeah, we got those down there. It's nice for one of a meatball sandwich, but. I guess it, I'm thinking like not.
2: mom and pop kind of thing, like as far as, I mean. Oh, I'll I, give you one. Boiled those Boiled
0: peanuts. Like penis. real boiled peanuts. No, not the ones that dump out of the yeah, giant yeah. can yeah. in there. Well, yeah, those, no, don't yeah.
2: up, those don't exist. Boiled peanuts don't exist up north, do they? Neither no, grits. They so,
0: there's a out. chain gas station that has not made it to Florida yet, and I, I hate the fact that it hasn't. But in southeast Georgia, uh, in very south Georgia, the only place i think in is Parker's. You ever seen a Parker's? No.
1: No, man. I thought was, it was right field, but they all became Circle K's. Parkers. Aiden's, Parkers Aiden's is the...
0: Place where we are. Blue gas station. You know, everything's blue. Parker's, but Parker's man. I wish Briar was here, he'd tell you. Parker's breakfast. Son. Biscuits and gravy, bacon, sausage, uh what's what's uh hash. Corn beef hash. Corn beef, beef hash. Oh yeah. Yeah. How did all there? Alvin get a chance then, to
1: see the breakfast. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: And then the rest of it, you go the rest of the day, they got better fried chicken than daggum uh KFC or Popeye's. When when we would go get man it's like I want fried chicken for dinner. I wasn't going to KFC or Popeye's. I was driving driving down the street to Parker's and picking up a family meal at Parker's.
1: Yeah. I didn't get to see the breakfast spread, but he did get to see the lunch where they had fried chicken, fried chicken strips, fried steak fingers, fried <laughs> um
0: well, It seems like a lot of things in Georgia. I so said so the fried. common denominator. Oh, we're not is even fried
1: fried <laughs> yeah, fried, uh, fried corn nuggets. Fried okra, fried broccoli. Yeah, I'm still missing something.
2: I was I was tempted to fried order pork like a shop? side salad, but I kind of thought
1: yeah. wasting time.
0: Yeah, look at I, a fried I thought
2: they'd look look at me. They'd even identify me more as an outsider, and they'd be like, "You're you're
1: not you're from not Georgia. from here, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you in a salad? What? <laughs> we had steak fries, a pork egg roll, and fried fried broccoli. Yeah, got that one. Fried broccoli. I broccoli was okay.
2: I, just remember, I thought the broccoli was the broccoli was good. Fried broccoli, fried steak fries. They were good.
1: <laughs> steak fries, pretty good.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so
0: when we hunted that piece over there in southeast Georgia, Briar was coming up and hunting with me up there. And uh, he'd just stay at my house. I lived 15 minutes from the property. And uh, he's, he'd wake up in the morning. He's like, hey, we uh, going to Parker's for a go to the woods? I'm like, I, I guess we can. It could be on the way, depending on how we went to the property. <laughs> so we drive down to Parker's, get some breakfast, stand there at the truck first thing in the morning, eat Parker's, go to the woods. About 8, 30, 9 o'clock, you're like, yep, there's the Parker's. Nope. Back down the tree, off into the bushes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Jake, you, you're telling us you had some turkey hunting, and then we got on the idea of maybe trying to get you up to Georgia. In the private land, because uh, you know, can't guarantee success. But you, I think you were kind of going down a. You were going to start telling us about some of the, the headaches that you've had.
3: Yeah, yeah. The most success I've had turkey hunting is hearing just one gobble back. And I was hunting a piece of private land. South Florida. And he was hung up. I could see him. But he was three properties over. Now they were. It was just a five-acre lot, right out next to state forest or state park, not a state forest. But I could see him, and he's hollering at me, and I'm hitting him my box call, clucking, pern. I can see him, and he's yelling at me. But he will not come across that first fence. Did oh. not come across that fence. Hmm. And th- then there was three of them. I sat there for I sat there from I got there at 60:5 in the morning I remember this because it was my first turkey hunt and I heard one and I went oh man here it is on my first time I' oh, here oh, this is gonna be great and I watched it and then he disappeared and I sat there and I sat there Elusive, man. and sat there until it was dark I sat there all day and never heard anything. Never got anything to come in. That was the only thing I seen.
2: I'll ask you guys this: turkeys seem to be a pretty tough thing to hunt. Are they the tough? From what you guys have hunted, are they the the most elusive, most toughest kind of species to hunt?
0: I'll preface this by saying uh, I've never killed a turkey. Okay. I think that's two of us. <laughs> Probably more than two of us. <laughs> Three of us. Al, you killed a turkey? No, sir. Okay, so uh, Jim's the odd man out.
1: Yeah. The, for me when it happens, it happens usually because I've seen the turkey there before. We're like, this was like turkey area. So I mean, really it really comes down to scouting. And. For me, except for two Eastern gobblers I killed in Kentucky, you, you know they're there. You get out there, wicked early. You set up. You just make a, a little bit of call, just, just you know, just enough to let turkey know you're there, and then it's, bah, yeah, you know, they just they let and they and they come and other hard turkey hunters that are way better me and might disagree. I find, I, I think that I am pretty sure I know that ter- in, in, in nature, the reason they're out there yelling their heads off is to get hens to come to them. I was kind of a theory that the biggest baddest gobbler out there probably ain't going to know hen; they're always going to just wait, right? Because all the other hens know he's the badass anyway. So I think you tend to hunt subdominant gobblers, or you might get that big boy because he's coming out to strut. You, you already know where his strut zone is. And you're set up in his strut zone. So those are the things that have worked for me. But I think that when, in the times where I've had these encounters, and I've had, I've sat there and worked a bird for a long time and had coyotes come blow him out. We've had the diesel blow blows. I got, I got all kinds of stories like that. But when you've got that bird that you can see and it's a little bit hung up, you, calling to him more is not going to help. It's like, because he's standing out there like, yeah, right right? like, I'm right here, right? I'm right here. You know, so he he might not leave, but he's not going to come to the hen. I almost think she kind of got to shut up and just maybe occasionally just give it a little, just just a little game over get here. I don't know if I'm really interested, but you can't. You just can't call too much. And then uh, I, was, I had thought coming. I just it, it, I don't know. I I don't have it all figured out. So it seems to be really easy for guys to do.
0: We had we were hunting a wildlife management area in Southeast Georgia for life. of me, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but me and my buddy, AJ, you met AJ in Tennessee. Yep. <clears throat> we had gone out in the evening before, and I wouldn't say quite roosted the bird, but we had a pretty good general idea where he was roosted. And I said, the morning we're going to come back and we'll sit on this food plot area. They had marked on their map as a food plot. It's just a little open patch in the woods. <clears throat> that was probably 250 300 yards from where I, I'm guessing he was roosting. Came back the next morning, got set up out there well before daylight. Crept in real quiet, got our decoys set out, and let it hit about daylight. He was gobbling before daylight. Um, just after daylight, clucked a little bit, and he gobbled right back. I said, okay, I'm gonna shut up. And about every ten to fifteen minutes, without me calling, he would gobble. But he could, he consistently got closer. I was like, "Oh man, this is it! This is finally! I'm I'm finally gonna kill a turkey." He's come. He knows where we're at. He's coming to us. And I learned everything because at that point before that, I mean, I would overcall. It's hard as a novice turkey hunter not to overcall. Calls fun. Call and he he hits back. You call, he hits back. You call, he hits back. And it's just it's a it's a drilling rush. But like you said earlier, every time he does that, hens come to him. That's what he's doing that for us to get hens come to him. So I would call. I called. He hammered back. About every 30 minutes or so, I'd call again. He'd hammer back immediately. And he consistently came to us. About 730 in the morning, I hear this raggedy-ass Chevrolet. And I'll get into how I know it was a Chevrolet in a minute. Just putting down the road. Coming down the road. I'm like, oh, shit. And, uh, I hear it shut off from, from the direction of his truck. And that Turkey fired, just fired right back. And he fired that truck up, drive a little further. And I heard him shut off right about where my truck was parked. And that Turkey fired back again. And then he gets out here and slams his door. I'm like, that's it. We're done. Packed everything up. he AJ's like, well, he, what what? But the bird's still coming. I said, no, he's not. Next time he gobbled, he was going the opposite direction.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we tried to circle around and get that bird going the other way. Ended up in like chest deep swamp. Said, screw this. It was only getting deeper. Never got that bird. Ran into that guy later in the day. And uh, he's like, y'all, y'all hear any birds? I was like, yeah, we had a. <laughs> and I could hear the truck coming. I knew it was the same truck when he pulled up behind us. We were walking. He was still driving in an area he wasn't supposed to be driving. Y'all hear any birds? I said, yeah, we had one coming in good this morning. Some asshole in a raggedy ass Chevrolet pulled up, slammed his door. <laughs> and, yeah, that's uh, your
1: thing is we went out deer hunting in, uh, in, 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 rock Springs. And those guys came driving down that road. Yeah. We're supposed to be there. And, You're a magnet.
0: And uh, he says, he says, damn, don't you just hate it when that happens? I said, yeah, yeah, I really do. Really do hate it when that happens. He's like, well, good luck, to y'all. <laughs> I'm, over to the truck. I'm like, yeah, yeah you can make, just, just, here's a bird for you, bud. He didn't make the, connect, he didn't make <laughs> no, the connection. No, he did not connect the dots together. <laughs> no, man. He said, I had one coming in good this morning, then he just shut up and went the other direction. I said, huh, I wonder you drove why. drove into him. Yeah. Yeah, we'd parked well away from there because I knew, I mean, we had a good idea where the bird was, and I didn't want to spook the bird, and I was just going to set up and let him come to us. And he was just coming in on a string until that idiot drove through there in his loud truck. And that was it. He went the other direction, and that's just turkeys. Yeah, I was on Jim uh, last
2: week. I uh, went to one of my neighbors' house, who I pass every day, every day in and out, and the turkey. I mean, six to eight turkey, definitely a gobbler in there all every morning. Her backyard, her backyard bumps up against, like, private land that acres of, like, just... It's some real estate company that owns it. And um, anyways, I, I've i just been waiting for an opportunity to see this lady out or this guy out, or, you know, the husband, um, where I can just kind of stop and casually, you know, go up and say hi and, and ask if they may let me hunt on their property, you know. And uh, so I'm coming... Home from dropping my daughter off at school, and see this lady out cleaning her yard, and so I pulled the truck over, walk over, and you know introduce myself. And um, as soon as I asked her about, you know, let me see if I can come on her property and hunt. I mean, she didn't hesitate at all. She so was just like, "Hell no!" Hell
1: <laughs> no. Let's Next, see. use Onyx to get to the land of, uh, the the private real estate company behind you. Yeah, show I did, I Show did, up with bagels.
2: I did look I did look at that and it's um the thing is, is it's a company out of Ontario or something Canada. It's like a big real estate company and then um yeah, so it's it's in Canada.
1: I got an idea about that too but not during the podcast. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a big piece of private land in the back. It's just no one's there. They're just holding it for whatever. Um, the know,
0: next development.
2: Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've asked a few of my neighbors because I kind of live in a rural. I don't live in a generally a rural area, but my neighborhood is a rural area. Um, most people have, you know, five acre lots of land. And and I've asked a few of those neighbors that kind of butt up against the woods if I can hunt, you know, just in general for deer or whatever. And, and um, they're just like, no, no, you can't we we think of them as Bambi or we love seeing the yeah. animals on our property. I'm I'm, I'm just, hey, you know, I'm just if I don't ask, I don't get and um, I I get where you're coming from and you know, I just thought I I'd, I'd like to ask and you know, a lot of them are thankful. Hey, I'm glad you you came over and asked at least, you know, and didn't just come on and and you know, I would always tell them, "Hey, I don't I would never come on your property and you know, without permission, but um but yeah, a lot of those it's I guess it's kind of like sales, right? You're going to get, if you ask a hundred people, you're probably going to get 99 no's, and uh, you may just get that one. Yes. So,
0: I mean, even, even if the asking for permission, it's a one in 10 chance you're going to get a yes. That doesn't mean you're going to get 90 no's before you get 10 yeses in a row. Right. Right. So it's, that's tough. But all you can do is ask.
1: It's tough in a subdivision. You know what?
2: There's, there's nothing, there's nothing hurtful. I guess I'll I'll say this about about anyone who's thinking about it. It's not gonna. There's nothing that's gonna hurt you about hearing no. Rejection is a hard thing, though. Yeah, but it's not. It's rejection of you know. It's just you're, right. you're going up. And you're saying, "Hey, my name's so and so. You know, I I noticed you know this particular whatever species on your property, and like you know, however you want to kind of word it. But have you ever considered maybe letting someone or myself? Go on your property and hunt these animals or whatever. And you know, most of the time they're probably gonna say no, because I, I don't I don't know that a lot of people, unless they have a huge chunk of property, will be comfortable with someone going on their property with a with a weapon and firing it, you know.
1: Yeah, let them know you want to do with archery. Yeah, still
0: or with archery. That, you know, that's even like more that. challenging, but yeah, I get what you're saying. No, thinking about it in a subdivision though.
1: In a subdivision. And I know this. Um, the deer are so used to being, I'm thinking deer, not so much turkeys. They're so used to being in close proximity to people. No, that's actually true of turkeys too. I know that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, the archery is not the challenge you think it is. If it's just a matter of knocking down the deer, it's a question of getting permission. You probably want to be there before the deer get there. It's not a place to learn how to hunt them out in the middle of nowhere because you, you can make a lot of mistakes. You can just bring the bow up relatively slow and whack. <laughs> they'll, they'll just stand there and look at you.
0: Yeah, I'd say the the biggest issue you're going to run into in a subdivision archery hunting deer, though, is that even if you had permission on uh, your neighbor's property and say they own, we'll say two acres, you get a relatively big lots in a subdivision down here. Um, The lots would be... 100 yards wide at best, probably. Yeah, they They're, tend to run
1: into green spaces after well, you Well, yeah, them.
0: they they run into the neighbor's yard. Allegedly. Sees that as Bambi, and then now you have to get permission to go get the deer you just shot. You're like, oh, hey, yeah, so my deer is dead on your pool deck. I need to come back here and get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I saw there was
2: a dead deer on your pool deck. You want me to get him out of there for yeah. you? <laughs> having,
1: having harvested the occasional deer in my subdivision, and I've had the same concerns. They, they, they live in the green spaces, not right, right. So they tend to run into there. But I did, I did track a deer quite a ways through the green space one time. And when I started, it was, um, it was just starting to get dark. By the time I found the deer, it was dark, and it was pretty hairy, just muddy. These green spaces—they're not maintained at all. They're just really dense, nasty stuff. I think Will's heard the story before, so I decided uh, it wasn't that far back to my house. And the deer—the doe wasn't that big. A Florida deer, anyway. So I shoulder this doe and just start booking it down the sidewalk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> K, 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 K. Yes, I trust. Myself. Hey, honey, what should we have for dinner? What, what the, between heck? the houses, what the hell? Jim's over there walking with a deer on his shoulder.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Between the houses, down this one cul de sac, turn left. I'm coming all the way up the sidewalk, and I got to turn left to get onto the street next to my little cul de sac. And it was the same nightmare you're thinking about, man, because the, uh, <laughs> the lady that happened to pull out with her. Soccer mom vehicle. <laughs> and her kids in the car as I'm standing there covered in mud and viscera. Man, she pulls out, just blazes me with it. <laughs>
3: it's like, oh.
1: And just started laying it to like, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, <laughs> so just keep on walking, man. You know, he ignore her. Just keep going. It wouldn't have done any good. We're actually on pretty good terms because we agree on some of the things, but yeah, you know, I've also, I've had other headaches where this isn't just totally normal that, um, being the, being the real redneck, you know, who lives in a subdivision. I, you know, I've, I've har- harvested, deer, and then brought them home. Like I was, um, not, not in the subdivision, so to speak, but I was, I was cleaning one, one time and just happenstance. <clears throat> the neighbor's, my neighbor has two young boys who are kind of into this thing, like they think it's you know, Mr. Raes is really cool. and I was cleaning a deer in at the end of my driveway, not out in the open. you've been in my house. You, you know you've even seen the tree. but that particular day, I didn't realize it. it was one of their birthdays, and somehow they worked out this thing to like have their buddies from school get off the school bus at their stop versus their normal stop. So Mr. Hayes over there, got the, you know, pretty much got the skin down around the neck, and, and had the belly open, and long time come, the two boys with half a dozen of their buddies in tow. And the kids, the kids weren't all like nobody was like, oh, what are you doing? They were curious, right? You know, yeah, I'm already knee deep, and yeah, I didn't start pulling pieces out, but what are you doing? Well, I, I I harvest the steer, and I'm gonna turn it into food, and where food comes from and, and, you know, didn't, didn't really think much of it. And it wasn't my neighbor's kids. It was the other kids that were friends with it that went home and explained that Mr. Hazley, you know, had a deer. Strung and,
0: up in the tree.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and this is one of the things about people, they don't call me, who do they call?
0: the HOA no all oh, the parents of the
1: they call my wife
0: oh oh, even worse
1: yeah and and then other things and I actually take this as a badge of honor sometimes because this thing and folks just don't get I, I you know you're at Publix or whatever shopping and you you, you just you see him giving you stink eye like you're in a checkout line and it's almost like oh my god he's right there you know but that's just one of the things about you know one of the things we do and um Making sure that you're not breaking the rules. And I don't, I wasn't, a, I guess it was a bad judgment call. To, I was just damn tired. It was dark. What are the odds? You know, I'm bringing the one deer back, shoulder, where I got busted. Um. But, you know, when I killed the deer, killed it on my land, my property. It doesn't matter oh, that yeah. it's not 150 acres. I have a lot in license. Killed it legally. You know what I mean? I went and got it.
0: It really just boils down to what society has become comfortable with, right? That we're, society at large is completely comfortable with going and buying ground meat from the grocery store and consuming it at home without ever knowing where the ground meat came from. But when you see, literally see the sausage being made, oh, it's terrible,
2: I, don't I would say that was a good, that was a good situation though, Jim, because, um, well, first off you were, you were on your property, you were on your, you know, uh, you were in your legal right to do that on your property. Some kids happen to come and stumble on and see what you're doing on your property, but they're intrigued. They're interested. And regardless of what the parents thought, you piqued their interest. And you never know where that will lead, right? And you may have sparked off some future hunters.
1: Oh, you may be. And as far as the parents that were mad, you're absolutely right. I was. I don't have any guilt, or I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything wrong. And when, if you're going to call my wife and complain that I was doing something <laughs> in my yard a ways back from the road and i live in a cul-de-sac with where the only neighbor that could have even seen me doing what i was doing it would be if my neighbor looked up the side of their yeah right i mean it's like i was <laughs> i wasn't, wasn't on the front right so your kids came down my driveway so when when the parents called and, and started giving my wife actually it wasn't parents it was woman on woman conflict just started giving my wife some grief i, I, I you know i wasn't like Oh, did I do something wrong? I was like, oh. more, more, just the opposite. Like, God, why do we have to live near these people? <laughs> you know, because you know, it's like you might disagree, you might not want to do it yourself, but to suggest that I can't do that in my yard, like it's probably good. Actually, I spoke to my wife because heaven forbid if they come knocking on my door, yeah. like, come on, let's have a drink. But then I read, I read, read them the riot Act. You know, like who the hell are you? But yeah. I, I just, it's just not worth the argument. Go about your life.
0: Yeah, you know. So I, I got kind of a loaded question for the room Um, with it's become fairly popular in today's age to try to source organic sustainably harvested free range meat. Although we could argue that deer meat is or isn't organic based on eats GMO food, right? Yeah. Crops they eat. It's out. Um, But what do you think strictly as an opinion is society's main problem with hunting.
1: I can't use the word.
0: You can't use the word? Why not?
1: <laughs> Kidification of America. As in meow.
0: Well, okay. Yeah, fair enough. No, I, just I, too, you know too distant. Everyone wants would, it soft. Sorry. I
2: would, I would say this. I would say that they look at the meat that is raised in farms right right like cows or pigs they may say like hey those are animals that are already being raised as livestock for farming and you know of of meat um for society so why do you got to go off and kill bambi out there in the woods
0: but do you really think that there's there's a, a, I mean, I know for a fact there's a, a, a subset a of people out there that look at meat in the grocery store and say, well, why do you have to go and kill meat when you can just get meat from the grocery store because it was you know, like, like something didn't have to die to produce meat in the grocery store?
2: No, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, you know there's, there's these cows and, and pigs and chickens that are being farmed, right, that we're our, we have already set aside and we're raising for meat. And that you can then purchase at the store. So, why do you find that you have to go out to the woods and kill an elk or a deer or, you know, a wild hog or whatever? Um, I think, you know, that I think that's what they think is that there's there's already meat set aside, there's already these animals set aside. So, why are you going off and doing this extra killing? And um, I think they're missing the fact that, you know, when we go back to thinking, um, well, now everyone's concerned about factory farms and the treatment of those animals and stuff and protests around that. And then you, then you look at hunters and you're saying, well, hey, we're hunting wild animals that are eating naturally, that are living naturally, doesn't get any more organic than that. And um, why are you upset with me when I go and try to capture my own organic meat? and wild animal for my own consumption versus buying your factory farmed chicken or pig or cow. Um, I don't know.
1: I think <clears throat> when I step away, because I do get frustrated with folks like that, we all are human beings. We have to have rules. We actually like boundaries. So we've all created these constructs for us to say this is what I'll do this is what is and this is right this is wrong so I, I do emotionally I understand how people can say because in, in North America it's basically beef chicken pork and for some lamb but for a lot not and no, almost nobody eats mutton right mutton and people and, and a lot of people, They don't, for whatever reason, they will eat beef, but they won't eat veal because they know veal is young and they, you know, veal cows are basically held immobile, fed milk, and slaughtered young, right? So the idea of young in the veal space bothers them, but I don't think most Americans know that most of the poultry that you eat yeah, so it's like eight weeks old.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. We just talked about that last week. with yeah. our D two fourteen chickens or whatever the heck yeah. they were. And,
1: and in truth, even the big, even the non veal cows are about a year old, right? They're yearlings. They get them to eight, you know, eight nine hundred pounds. Whack, molasses, sweet feed. You know, so it, it it is because we're not, we're not farmers. I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm two generations away from cattlemen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think people that live a little bit more rurally are exposed to it, either directly or indirectly. But so much of our population lives in cities where generations are separated from having to pro- actually be involved in the production of their own food, with the exception of maybe creating a little planter garden where they raise some jalapeno peppers and some, some green beans or a trellis for you know peas or something like that. So I, I think I, I try. I, I, I think very. I find very few people are like angry. I run into those, and I don't even. I don't try to convince them. On the other hand, going down the line, when I meet somebody that is genuinely vegan, and they're practicing, and they want to kind of give me the run on deer, I say, "Whoa!" You know, I find they're actually most, unless they're brand new vegans most like literally they've been practiced for a couple of year vegans. When you start out with, I realize my walk's not your walk, but I actually really do appreciate the discipline that it takes. If you genuinely honor all animals that way, I can't fault you for it because that's hard, you know, but at the same time, please understand that I, I have, you may not agree with the method, but I actually have a deep respect for the animals that we hunt. And I know a lot about them and It's not easy. Right? It may seem easy in that moment where you actually make the shot, but just getting to there, you have no idea how much pain and suffering goes into that. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just people don't understand.
0: It's an intimate connection that you build because we don't just uh, – so, before I I'll preface this by saying that I think there's a – a subset of the population that believes that hunters just can go out whenever they want to, and we can kill as much as we want to, but that's not true. There are regulations set aside to ensure sustainable harvest. And I mean, without hunters, we wouldn't see the numbers of white deer, ducks, turkeys, whatever, because we put back into that. And the, the best thing you can do for a population, a subset of, of, a, of any animal is to make it huntable. Sure, because then, if you make it huntable, and people want to hunt it, they will invest money into feeding that animal. They will invest money into making bedding areas, cover the, all this stuff, just so they can have that animal on their property to hunt it.
1: Right? I don't understand why there's not a season on boat tail grackles and robins. Because, I mean, they're talking about how there's fewer birds than there was, whatever fifty years ago. I don't really know if we'd ever go out and hunt chickadees, per se, if they made them legal. But,
0: well, we hunt snipe, so. Not
1: yeah, but they've always, there. they've fair <laughs> enough. But, well, and they're delicious. They are so, delicious. They are. <laughs> and you only have to use, like, one box of shotgun shells per bird knocked down. So, <laughs> But, no, I, I think about, like, I see all the robins, and, and the other ones, boat tail grackles. Of course, anybody that goes to a gas station or parking lot sees boat tail grackles all the time, too. But they're everywhere and am look at that thing that's a pretty meaty bird whacked the bejesus out of that if they just nice. we, we would have an explosion in tweety birds if we made them legal on I mean, you have to I mean, every, everybody have a bird feeder
0: you could so we, we we blame the the depredation of songbirds on outside cats probably true oh it's a hundred percent it's a hundred percent true
1: I, I hate to always blame one particular thing but I I don't think you're right. But I, I mean how yeah, outside feral
0: cats, cats and feral cats have, have led to a, a severe decline in, in uh songbirds. Well, sure. they are the number one predator according to uh I think Animal Planet, some show I watched. I'll I'll buy that for a dollar.
1: By and large, I'm not a cat
0: guy. I'm not either so
1: this is this is this is a total hypocrisy. The same family that had the kids that swung by the house, they used to have this monstrous orange cat. I mean it was named Cheeto, and it, it is orange <laughs> and had tiger stripes. This cat must have almost weighed seven ten pounds. It was big, and I'd be sitting out on my back, and I would watch. I'd hear a scuffle in the greenway behind my house, and I'd watch Cheeto chasing possums and raccoons out, which is backwards. Like a raccoon's a bad animal. Yeah, like Cheeto was going toe to toe with raccoons, um, and Cheeto would. They would tell me the cheetah would make presentations to them, rabbits, squirrels, little birds, yeah. and I would watch cheeto hunt, and I was just fascinated. Like I realized, but he was killing. Me. He's the reason we don't have the population. I, I can't. I'm just saying that that was like, as far as I'm concerned, that cat had a pass. And then one day cheeto didn't come home. I assume he finally found a raccoon. It was like, listen here, orange man. <laughs> 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 well,
0: I mean, I, I truly believe that, uh, like domesticated hats, cats have a place. If you have a barn, there's no reason not to have barn cats, especially if you've got horses. Dude, I have seen horse barns so, so like, My cousin had horses in a barn and we used to go in there in that barn because they didn't have barn cats. We would sit there and we had BB guns, BB pistols, you name it. We'd flip the lights off, drink beer for about 20 minutes, turn the lights on, and then we had a rat killing. Hmm. And you could... We, we found a 55-gallon drum full of garbage. And I just mean, like, large pieces of stuff. We pulled it out, and it was literally shooting rats in a barrel with a BB pistol. Wow. That was the funnest, drunkest time I've ever had in my life, doing that.
3: Brambon.
0: So, Jake, what do you think about... Uh, the way society views uh, hunting in general,
3: I think that we have lost our way in the United States as a species. Here, here. Because all through the history of mankind, humankind, whatever you want to call it, we have been hunters and gatherers. We have needed the protein and the omega fatty acids that we got from meat to fuel our brains to developed tools to get where we are today. Now we've come so far, we've built such a comfortable life for us here in the United States that we have forgotten about everything it took to get here. That's going to preserve us and take us to the next phase. Now these farmed animals and these farmed vegetables that we have, they give us more nutrients than we used to get.
0: Pull that mic in close to your face.
3: We get more nutrients now than we used to get. Now, we got this far with the minimal amount of nutrients. Now that we've grown vegetables, we got 300% of the vitamin C we need for the day in a serving of spinach. We've got 26 grams of protein in a chicken breast. Now, back in the day, that used to be 2% of the vitamin C that we get today. And we cultivated that because we knew that we needed this. We knew that we needed this protein. We knew that we needed these fats. This is why we used to eat eyeballs because they're fat. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> there's, well, there's, there's fat
0: behind the eyeballs. Some of us well, still I, eat eyeballs. I mean, there's a whole – I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but the guy literally sells uh, like a, a vitamin you would take every day that is – literally made out of organ meat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. liver guy. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Liver King?
1: Yeah. I don't know. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you're paying attention. We've been on this podcast for about an hour and Jake said like three words. But that last thing he did, he's like Silent Jake. Doesn't say a word. But when brother speaks, drop a knowledge. He's he's smoked it. He's absolutely right. I mean,
3: everything you guys said was right too. You know, because we have the, we do have a problem with with farming animals, and these animals are abused, and that looks bad for people that eat meat. So then, then we want to cry because we're that, all out of feelings. But it's all it's all goes back to we just lost our way as a species in the United States. You can't go to Mexico and find someone who's going to be upset because you're hunting a fucking pig.
1: No, that but, that but I don't. I'll, I'll, no, I but will,
2: I, I think what you just brought up makes even more sense for hunting. You know, I mean. Uh, the fact that like people uh talk about um you know factory farm animals that are like treated badly or or not living in good conditions or whatever and um you know no one wants that right i mean you don't you don't right, want to right, you I don't, don't wanna, want you don't want to eat a cow or a pig that's not living good,
3: right? I don't hunt with a I don't hunt deer with a twenty two rifle because I know I don't want to wound it. Wounded. I want it to be dead. Yeah, and, yep. and right then, yep.
0: you had you you said it right there. Factory farmed.
3: Yep,
0: and that I mean that's what the <clears throat> the majority of our meat we grab at the grocery store is, and as hunters we have a much more intimate connection with our food source, and. I I don't know what we, we have lost our way somewhere along the way with what it means to connect with nature. Yep. And to me as a hunter, it's so much more than going out and killing something to bring home to eat. I mean, that, that is the ultimate uh, measure of success. Right. But being able to go out and just connect with nature in and of itself We've all spent unsuccessful days in the woods where regardless of, I, I measure success by harvest of a game species we're after. But we've all learned something, whether it be about the species we're chasing or another species which we would chase at a different point in the year because of regulated harvest. There's always something to learn right and if nothing else you you get to connect with nature on a deeper uh, on a deeper level because as a hunter you, you you would go out before sunrise and you sit there in a stand or in a blind or whatever you want to do and nature kinds it it comes to life around you as if you didn't exist yeah as if you weren't there at all And it's just something else to see that, to connect with that part of nature. And I don't know that I've ever seen more stars in the night when I wasn't in the deer stand than I have seen deer camp. You get out in those Mm -hmm. wild places and you just away from the light pollution, you see so much more than when you're in the neighborhood.
3: Yeah. but We lost that connection.
0: Yeah. You know, well, on the same,
1: we're talking about the farming and the industrial farming, and for a little while it bothered me. <laughs> and then I went, We got friends that have, they raise, they raise the eggs that are then sent to the places where they raise the meat chickens. So they, they stick out to eggs. It's a massive operation, chickens piled on one another. But they're all brought in as hatchlings. And I watched it and I was like, they don't know. Like, they don't know. Like, we, we we, as people get bent out of shape about how those animals are raised because at the end of the day, we kind of realize that it's a con. Like, at the end of the day, there's a knife at the end, right? But if you've taken a look at a, an industrial-raised chicken versus one of those chickens running around in veto at Chuliota man, industrial raised chicken got it pretty good. So I'm there and I'm watching specifically the roosters. Like they don't know what they do know is at a certain time of day, all the food I can eat shows up. Anyone else is here. All the hens, all the hens I could possibly service. They are living in nirvana right up until the time that they get a little too old and then they become meat chickens Right? But between birth and the final truth, they have the best life. is for a chicken, right? I mean, no predators, plenty of reproduction, plenty of food. They, they, they just don't know. We know. It seems like, oh my God, those poor chickens are all cooped up together. I think if you could actually speak to a chicken and say, like if you could take a feral chicken and that chicken, if they don't know the knife's coming at the end, and every one of them feral chickens be like i wanted it at that bar <laughs> you know what i mean i don't feel bad for the chicken
0: you know you know what of a uh, what a great game bird a, a truly wild chicken would make
1: well the jungle fowl
0: like that that would be like to be to to literally be a, be able to go out in the woods and kill something not something that tastes like chicken but that is chicken
1: I bet you go snatch one out of a or world. So I've seen wild chickens, <laughs> hey. right? I mean, they're all. I mean, you don't have to go too far, and you'll find one. I imagine that if you were to pull the feathers off that thing and cook it, you would find well, like wild turkeys.
0: Oh, it's, they're stringy. It just ain't the
1: same. Yeah, wild pigs aren't it. Well, they are. When you take that's the greatest thing? Wild pigs look so gnarly when you flush put them up with the gambrel. Once you get the skin off, man, and you get it all are butchered you, out, yeah, I can wrap that stuff in public cellophane and 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 sell it.
0: The, Texas Team literally buddy. serves wild pig at restaurants.
2: That's that's
0: fantastic. Yeah. So the places those wild pigs are killed, there's a USDA processor on site, and they test and process all that, and it goes straight to a restaurant.
2: Like it, like it matters.
0: It's yeah. Like well, USDA I mean, it, to meet yeah. USDA standards, it yeah. to an extent does matter. But the I mean, wild game, in you go to a restaurant, you're like, oh, this pork chop is great. Well. Little do you know, the sucker was eating just everything under the sun. It's the same as a pig get killed from the farm.
1: Yeah, no man, day. they're they're different. When you when you eat a pork chop from a wild pig, it's it's tougher.
0: You cook it right, yeah. and it don't taste any different. No, no man,
1: I, I bang them out and then well, because they're and running, and they're roster. running
2: around. They're running oh, right. I'm sorry, they're running around a little bit more.
1: So. It's a fitter animal, right? I mean that, and
0: that,
2: and that, and that. I guess is a, a goes what against what you're saying is with the chicken is they're living a good life a lush life but if you raise two chickens right now in your backyard two if I gave you two they're going to live a better life than what was in that farm
1: oh yes I'm not I don't oh oh, I'll be sure I totally agree except the one that's raised in the barn doesn't know the freedom we, we, let's, let's he doesn't it know beings. what he doesn't know. We all of us are pretty much like: Would you go trade where you live right now to go live in a skyscraper in downtown Brooklyn or whatever? No. You know, or, or, uh, to me, that's like the most. <laughs> I, I'd be just like, like no. "End me now!" Right? Like, no way. But how many people do you know that just think that's the epicenter of civilization? Because that they they that's where they were born. Yeah, that's, that's the that chicken norm. farm that it is man we're industrial raised humans yeah right and uh and but yeah all of us that don't live there are like y- y'all missing out if you listen to this podcast you're like yeah i'm never going to brooklyn right it's like don't i know it's there and that's all i need to know right i don't, I don't even need to drive through so i just the same thing with the chickens that's why i don't feel bad about them yeah yeah yeah. anyway but i still want to hunt. yeah no, i
2: chi- know yeah yeah chickens not, not.
1: That's just my take on the world. It doesn't have to be yours.
2: I think, yeah, I think it just goes back to uh, uh, you know, if you're going to buy like any meat from the store, um, you want it to be the best quality it can be. Right? And um, you just want them, that animal, right? Because if it's going to be meat for your table, um, you want it just to be able to be in the Best environment it can be, and um, if it doesn't have to be like like stacked on top of each other in cages, fucking like shitting on each other, um, maybe in an open area in a warehouse or whatever the hell, it, whatever the hell they do. Pretty
1: accurate. I don't know what they do. They don't poop on each other. They but what are I'm pretty accurate.
2: What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, it's not a, uh, it's not like in the commercials, right? It's not these chickens out in this pretty meadow in Wisconsin. <laughs> With you the know? sun shining and all that bullshit, <laughs> so don't go, don't don't go faking yourselves out on that bullshit. Um, there, you know. So if you're good with that, then fine. Um, outside of that, go hunting, go get yourself some organic meat. i with
1: I love the like. I'm, I'm the first. I'm a man of many hypocrisies. <laughs> like I'll, I'll be the first guy to go into a grocery store and say, you know, I tease my wife about it. I said, chicken breast been injected with all kinds of stuff to make it nice and tender. On top of the fact you're eating an eight-week-old chicken breast. But then, what's the first thing that I do with a wild turkey? Like, Because the stuff they're injecting with is basically a brine. What's the first thing I do with a wild turkey?
0: Inject it with brine. <laughs> right, yeah. <in> the brine. <laughs> <laughs> Tenderize that sucker.
1: I mean, that's like, it's, it's different if I do it.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> We started with chickens, or started with turkeys. Ended with chickens. Uh, now we roll into the tip of the week, and uh, I, I'm gonna lead you guys off, and I'm gonna give you a solid turkey hunting tip that absolutely changed my turkey hunting life. Although I haven't killed a turkey, uh, YouTube will make you think you've got to have the running gun set up. You got you just constantly on the move, but the reality is is you should probably sit about an hour and a half longer than you think you should to kill that turkey. Mm. And what changed that for me was the twenty or thirty dollar turkey chair from Walmart. Like I have straight up taken a solid nap in a turkey chair. And that sucker just sits low to the ground, nice back support. Money you ain't got to spend the the was it. What's Yeti? Uh, uh, Summit's turkey chair It's like 150 bucks, 100 bucks or so. You don't have to spend that kind of money on a turkey chair. I had, well, I used to have. I need to buy another one. It lasted two years and poor, It kind of finally fell apart as a normal folding chair would. But I uh, spent 30 bucks on it at Walmart. Yeah. Turkey chair will change the way you turkey hunt. Who's next?
2: You know what? I'm going to kind of make my tip of the week kind of a question to you guys um, and ask and say. um, For people who want to um, get ahead of the game on like a 10-year plan for a WMA and all that kind of stuff, I guess the question is, um, do you just go out to F, uh, FWC and sign up for notification for general events? Does it have to be for a specific WMA? How can people get involved, get notified for 10 year plans for events for, anything related to conservation or plans for WMAs um, so that they can attend and participate. Because I I don't know, I've participated on a per issue basis based on, informa- uh, <clears throat> based on uh, uh, information or invitations that I've received for things in general, how would someone do that?
1: That's a great question. On a lot of the places that we hunt, especially the WMAs, a lot of them, for instance, the land manager is a water management district, but not for all of them. But just as an easy one, go and like the water management district's Facebook page or pay attention to their website. Um, and that'll give you an awful lot of information. Um, you know, the, the thing that people think like of FWC is this monolith. It's actually run, in my experience, by people that can't wait to chat with you. Or maybe that's not. Maybe they just make you feel that way because they're busy people too. And I'm sure that when the ham and eggers like us call in with questions, it's, it's time out of their day. I can't think of a rude interaction I've ever had with anybody at FWC staff. They are the most giving people in a profession that I can think of outside of maybe some physicians. They are happy to explain, happy to answer questions. They don't mock you when you just ask a question that maybe they've even already answered. Like if you read a little further into the email or that it was actually in a, let's say a brochure, yeah, right? You just, some of those WMA brochures, if you don't read the whole damn thing, you miss information. But so that, was, that basically it, it does take a little bit of proactive activity. And then with all the different social media out there, somebody probably is paying attention. What makes it hard though is to pay attention and say, and then take the time to say, I'm going to go put that on my calendar and then go. Cause we, we had the conversation we were out there, that you had every intention to go on a Tuesday and had to go to that meeting but you had to turn left out of the parking lot to go to that meeting. But you get on the autopilot because you're tired after work, you turn right, and you're 10 minutes or five minutes down the road, and you're like, ah, and you should turn around and go. You said you were going to go, but "Ah, I'm already five minutes down the road, let's go home. I've done it. I've been that guy. And and realizing that a lot of times when I do that, I fuck, turn around, go to the meeting. And and sometimes they overwhelm me because the first time you go to a meeting, the first time you go to a meeting, a lot of it's going to be over your head. You have to go to more than one, and you have to kind of do some homework, and you have to ask questions just to get kind of caught up to speed. Um, but I don't know if that helps. I guess I guess answer. I would
2: ask um, in, uh, for in general is FWC should have a place where you can, uh, on their website, uh, go to and um, get notification or sign up for uh, when they're gonna yes. have their 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 meetings is what I'm saying, right?
1: You know it's funny, I do get emails from FWC and I've been getting for so many years, I can't remember I can't remember how in the world I signed up in the first place. <laughs> Man, I, you get a lot of emails from FWC.
2: I guess I, you know what I I'll I'll say just this then. Um my tip is gonna be and I'm gonna do this is because um, Most of the events that I've signed up for and been part, uh, participant of, uh, I've just been invited in, but, um, just go out to FWC's website really, and, um, look for when their commission is going to have events. And I'm, I've, I'm sure they've got to have some, you know, sign up, uh, set up where you can go ahead and sign up for all the future events and i'm going to do that myself so just do that and that way uh, the more people we have out there signing up and being part of those events um, you know we're going to get our perspective and our inputs on any future plans for wmas and anything else regarding uh public lands and hunting and fishing so uh, i guess be so, that's it
0: so We're not just local Florida, but you can go on in a a lot of states and and get with your wildlife manager, whoever they are, and uh, be involved in that um, rulemaking and and governing aspect and and say your piece. Jim, Jake, what do you got?
1: I kind of had a lowball one that I was going to throw out there about a certain individual who's full of crap. But I'll leave that one out there because it's like (laughs) you know people are going to be scumbags and you just let them do their thing but um, on the high end I was actually going to make a comment about about cooking and and recipes. Yeah. You know um, you find a recipe Jim can I I interrupt you for a minute? Of course.
2: Guys by the way uh, Jim Made a fantastic meal. Prior oh, yeah. Past. man, uh, Jim, I'm going to lead you into it, but he made this um, fantastic meal. Tell us what was in it, uh, what you did, and and then go off and uh, on where I
1: interrupted you. Well, I get it the detailed ingredients. It was basically venison shanks.
0: The stuff you would normally throw in the garbage.
1: Well, or at least in the grind pile. Yeah, in the grind Hopefully pile. not in the garbage. It was... It was four venison shanks cut into discs, you know, give or take two inches wide, but braised in a mirepoix. So onion, celery, carrots, and it was in a red red wine with a mirepoix. So I braised down the, I cooked down the carrots a little bit, uh, the mirepoix a little bit once they were soft. Um, added the shanks that I already browned back in with just a whole bunch of red wine and threw that in the oven at 250 degrees and just let it, go for a little longer than I should have, probably four hours, but I wanted to fall off the bone in this case. It was. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Because I was making a ragu. And then I took, pulled all the bones out, um, carefully picked the meat out. I set the vegetable matter that had been braising down in there basically for flavor aside, because I actually ate that for lunch, and that was awesome. Vegetarian meal with just meat-infused little chunks, oh, so good. Yeah, But at any rate, then the rest was basically um, uh, Italian tomatoes, a little bit of fresh basil. I made another maraquoi, but then I I put that in a food processor and made it really fine. Through through all that in there, cooked, cooked that down. Added, um, just took a whole head of garlic. Whack! Oh, actually, I'm sorry. That was in the that was in the braise too. But anyway, cooked down the maraquoi again. Um, added in the tomatoes, the basil, the thyme, the rosemary. And, and just let it go. And that's kind of going into the tip of the week is yeah, I had my sauce and um tasted good. It was a little acidic. I don't like a really sweet sauce. So a little bit of cane. Just a dash of Cane's. Uh, oh my goodness. Cane's pure cane syrup. No, that's not right. At any rate, Steen's pure cane syrup. That kind of made it flat. Right? So a little bit of salt and a little bit of pepper flake. And I think you guys liked it, right? So the tip of the week was Um, don't be afraid to cook. Don't be afraid to follow a recipe, but taste your food before you serve it. And if it's not quite the way you want it, don't be afraid to adjust it. But you don't, where I was really going with the tip of the week is be subtle, be slow. If you're going to add salt, just a little bit of salt at a time. Because salt for whatever reason, man, it just like, if it tastes like it's right while you're cooking and it's hot, and it cools off a little bit. And you put it on somebody's plate, holy god, that's salty, yeah. right? And pepper can do the same thing. Like you get it to the heat you want while it's still hot in the pot. Then it sits there for a little bit, and you serve it to somebody. Next thing you know, everybody's like, "Oh my god!" But be subtle. But practice, and that's that's just a man enjoy this thing we do. We we're talking about chickens. It doesn't have to be all wild game, but we, as Jake was saying, man, we're so distant. Like be a part of your food. Mm-hmm. Go. We can't all cook every single meal sometimes because life gets in the way. But you'll never get good at it if you don't try. And forgive yourself when you fail because, man, I've made some stinkers.
2: Yeah. And I think you took a tough cut of meat, which maybe people would normally put and just make hamburger. And uh, you made a really good. Thank you. Meal out of out of that. And uh the meat came out soft, good flavor. So just show goes to show you what uh you can do with that, right?
1: Yeah, man. Nose to tail. Yeah. Nose to tail. You can eat it I, all. If
2: I it enjoyed it. it. I could have made a sandwich out of that, out of the rest of it, but there was none left over. I don't think there's any left over. Not much.
3: No. Jake. Just be free. Live life as a free person. Mm-hmm. That's it. No more, or less.
0: Jake Jake was the one that brought in that awesome Everglades seasoning I cooked that red snapper up in. It was uh, it was killer.
1: See, so, so, we, we got to bring him back into the podcast. He doesn't say much on the podcast, and uh, for those of you that kind of run around though, man, you hang out with Jake a little bit, and uh, man, he's got good thoughts. But you got to get you out. You know, I don't know what it is, man. You get your front a microphone, and all of a sudden, you're a much better listener than speaker.
3: Oh, I'm a good listener.
1: Fantastic.
3: I'm a great, listener. I'm a great beer hander ever. Yeah.
1: That's he cool. is, man. Really cold beer and an epic beard. Epic beard. I guess that's about it. Well. Oh, it's not it. Holy oh, cow.
0: How do we forget? The like boil? the crawfish boil,
1: the relocated crawfish boil.
0: We well. had to move it. Uh, we we had some literally structural integrity issues. Uh, but if you've been to any of our other paid events, be it the crawfish boil the first time or the pig roast, it's at the same spot. Listen, you know, I
3: I it couldn't have been no better for me. You're all about ten minutes from my house, doing it over there
0: now. You know what's funny is I, I find that a lot of our people are like, oh, you know, it's a lot closer now. Because the last time, the, in typical crawfish bowl fashion, we've had to move it last minute. Last year, we had a, a what we thought was a great spot lined up, and then we had to move it last minute uh, to where we are now. Uh, but it, it turned out great. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good park. It's uh, a good spot. It's a good spot. Yeah, hard stand bathrooms, playgrounds for kids. I mean, yep. It's 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 a good place. So, uh, oh, we got two lake access, yeah.
2: lake access boat ramps.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, if you want to run your boat, you can run up down the St. John's lake run. Uh, it's, it's right off of Lake Monroe on the St. John's uh, river. So we had guys that ran last year, from, but Steve ran from somewhere in the Wakaiva. ran up down mm-hmm. the, Wekiva. he, but no, he camped there, put it and ran up down the Wekaiva river. It, 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 it's, it's a great spot. If you, if you want to come by boat, it, there's plenty of places to park in your boat. If you want to come by vehicle, there's plenty of places to park your vehicle um and the bathrooms are nice the the playgrounds there for the kids it's just it's it's a good location i'll ask this cuz
2: um maybe i haven't read too much into it but um for the people who want to come uh there's going to be crawfish there um but what else will be there should they bring anything
0: hey if you want to bring beer bring beer
2: what other sides will be there
1: Corn, yeah, taters.
0: There's Cajun cooked corn, potatoes, sausage, some Brussels sprouts. Yeah.
3: Will the beer that's already there be cold?
1: You bringing the beer? Not.
0: Should I not bring, as, I, should I bring as, ice? Is, is the listen, question? Not as cold as you bring beer, Jake. The twenty nine.
2: Will the beer be at twenty nine degrees, or should I bring my own twenty nine degree?
1: You bring should, your own twenty nine degree beer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, okay. And the other thing you should bring. So, we're supporting Tin Can, and we'll have some cool things. At the very least, we'll have a Yeti bucket stocked with all kinds of goodies. Look, That'll I'll tell some...
0: you, we're going to do, do two Yeti buckets at a minimum. Yep. And I know we've got some, there's a hat and a hoodie from First Light. When I say hoodie, it's like uh Oh, the Chama. Like I got that. That's awesome. But it, it's a fishing hoodie. It's super oh. thin. It's a super thin hoodie. It's more of a SPF than it is, but it's still their camouflage. And a hat and slap full of uh, all kinds of hunting gear and whatever else we can throw in there. We'll have two of those buckets to give out, and uh,
1: and all of those proceeds and one those are hundo. All,
0: and and for people who don't know, they're going to get
2: those what through buying um, a raffle ticket. Yeah, raffle ticket. How much?
0: Yeah, ah, uh, probably. What have we sold raffle tickets? The the middle ones in the past. I want to say. Three dollars a ticket.
1: We'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, something. It'll
1: be one of those things where, you know.
2: So if you're coming, (sighs) just bring some cash. Yeah, basically bring bring some cash and like be
1: be prepared to be giving. There'll be quality quantity discount factors applied. Like oh, absolutely. The more you, the more because we're not keeping any of this money, man. It's all one hundred percent of that money on all this stuff that we're donating. Hundred percent of that is going to support ten can charity that um, works with first responders and, and veterans suffering from PTSD.
0: Cash money leads with ten with can the day of the crawfish ball.
1: Yeah. And being that we actually send a dude all the way to Louisiana so that the crawfish we'll be eating on Saturday will have been in the water on Friday, right, and driving all the way back at $5 a gallon gas. Folks, the ticket price, just so we're clear, that is so that we don't lose our butt.
0: <laughs> I <I'm> still <laughs> not, sure not going to lose our You're butt. going to <laughs> yeah.
1: eat that. Uh, yeah, we are not getting wealthy in the podcast business because you pay $23 of which $3 goes to taxes uh on the tickets. You know, this is a labor of love we love doing it. Love supporting organizations. Um But anyway, right, we'd love to see you at the crab boil, crawfish boil, I apologize. And then we have the we got a bunch of guys going. 17, 18 guys already. RSVP. Are we at 19? I don't know. Dang near two dozen people are going to be rolling with us down the Swanee River. Every,
0: everybody in this room is
1: going, aren't they? Yeah, yep. man. Yeah. Yep.
0: You
2: going out? Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Be um, a good time. I went, I went last year and um, I wouldn't miss it again. On the Swanee out. River,
0: the fourth annual Swanee River fishing expedition.
1: Yes. And although we're billing it as a five day event, and that'll be leaving from Suwannee River State Park on Wednesday. We will be at Lafayette Blue Springs State Park Thursday night. So anybody who wants to come up, you only gotta take one day of work off and you'll still get a three day trip down the Swanee. It's epic.
2: And I'll tell you guys, uh if you haven't gone, it's awesome. Um man, and I went last year on a three on the three day and um It didn't take any time away from family, really, or or whatever you had going on. And um, um, that the Suwannee River gets fed by um, these springs all over the damn place. And you can kind of either go left or right, and you'll hit these springs. And there's these beautiful pools that you never knew Florida had. And all up and down the river, man. It's just, you know what, I grew up in Florida my whole life. And I didn't know that the terrain and the geographic rocks and coral limestone that you would see existed in Florida. And so it's a great thing to do and see. And, uh, man, it's awesome. I don't know. You doing the five day this year? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have
1: 17 or 18 people who have actually paid to stay in the cabin. So I've, I know, I believe there's more going, but I'm definitely aware of those folks. And of the 17, 18, whatever it is, two folks are going on the three day. Maybe three. And the rest are all on the five day. So I yeah, think, well, you're on the three day, right?
3: I'm meeting you at the cabin.
1: Yeah, at Swan. No, at uh, Lafayette.
3: Yeah, I'm leaving work early Thursday and then heading.
1: Yeah, I think it's you and Henry King are on the three day. Oh, Henry! And uh, he was on the five day last year. Yeah, man, he did three day last year too. Oh, Henry,
2: you're listening. You're a character, buddy. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you again.
1: Yeah, a lot of good dudes. If you come to our events, are going on that, so uh, you get to meet the voices and people that have been guests on the show and Steve. I hope Steve Christian will make it. Gene Weldon's going to be there. Gene Weldon's come to the crawfish ball today. He told me that too. Um, Gene
2: saved our lives on, a, on part of that part of that old uh, canoe trip because he had the uh, trolling you, motor. Yep. <laughs> and so we all, I think at some point, we were all kind of tired of paddling, and we all attached to Gene's canoe, and we did a flotilla. Briar
0: is not going to make it. Yeah, I know but he, he is finally getting the final corrective surgery to where I don't have to print his outline in size 18 font. He's getting his LASIK on top of the other surgeries had to where he will now see uh, not blindness as a bat entirely anymore.
3: So, with almost two dozen people going, this sounds like a party.
0: Oh, it's going to be a party. A we can't that.
3: have a party without Briar.
0: You know, you uh, know what was fantastic? He's he's having surgery the day we set out for the 50 mile trip.
2: You know what's fantastic is last the la- last year we uh well Mike Mike, Mike Goss, Goss and I Mike yeah. Goss and I we we took an ungodly amount of supplies. Uh, <laughs> dude, we took I don't know. It was it was outrageous. But anyways,
1: you had full-on steaks though, didn't you? I
2: know we had steaks and pork chops and the whole mm-hmm. deal, but um man, uh, one of the first nights we got there we everyone caught so much like Sun uh sunfish or panfish or bluegills, bluegills
1: or and, yeah.
2: and we just had a big old fish fry and it was fantastic we were like man we, we we shouldn't have brought all this stuff it was crazy but um anyways I think uh what was it what 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 camp was it that we um got to where just across the river then we found out at I think it was Jordan found out there was convenience store. Yeah. You had to you had to cross wherever we were camped at, you had to cross the river, go through a little patch of woods, and then boom, you were on a highway, and then right on that highway was a gas station.
1: That'll be our first night out. We'll be at that same gas and, station. And and,
2: and 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 but you had to have like your your cell info and all that, and apparently he got he was like, "Oh, apparently there's a gas station right out here." And he ended up showing up with like a I don't know, case of bush whatever or something (laughs) and we're like shit well we got to go out there too you know and um and so anyways for anyone who's interested uh you know there there's there's little stops along as far as you're out in the woods you're not that far out
0: in the woods yeah so you,
2: you pack up you got you got supplies and if you need to along the way there's gonna be something where you can stop and get some you know more supplies but uh man it's a great time it's a lot of fun and It does get you away from your everyday life. It gets you away from your family and your work. And you just, when you, when you, when you're in that kind of situation and you go back home, you just appreciate things a whole lot more and you appreciate nature a whole lot more. And, um, it's just a good thing to do. Uh, it's, it's. Something You're right. Everyone
1: should do. You can do it hard, or you can do these. You can you can sleep out on the bank every night, or in this case, we've got those sleeping platforms reserved in the cabins, so uh, you don't get chewed up by mosquitoes, right? Well, have park benches, uh, I'd suggest everybody bring a nice, comfy chair, because after a while, those picnic table benches, you know, I don't, I don't know,
2: stiff. I don't know that last year at that time that there were. Um, I really experienced any kind of mosquitoes.
1: No, day. it was good.
2: Uh, I think it was good. Um,
1: we were lucky, but yeah,
2: yeah, it comes, we'll see what uh, we get this year. A good comfort. I'll tell you this. Here is my lessons learned for anyone who's interested, and it's going to do it. Um, I don't got much meat on my butt, so a good cushion to sit on on a canoe or kayak, whatever you're gonna, whatever you're gonna go down on. Um, so or, I, or the I, picnic I, table afterward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I will make sure I have that. The other thing is I did not bring a chair, which I noticed once we got to camp, a lot of people had chairs of their own. Um, so bring a chair, uh, you know, bring all the other necessities that you think you're going to need, like water and, and all that kind of stuff. But hopefully the plan is that you will catch a lot of fish. We all c- collectively catch a lot of fish and we share with each other. Um
1: sleeping it, system.
2: And 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 the thing is is it, it's in May, so you think it may not be cold, but it is kind of cold in at night. So uh bring some whatever however you sleep whether it's a hammock or a tent or uh whatever. Um uh, bring some kind of warm clothes for the
0: evening. Listen, I bought a 60 degree sleeping bag on Amazon for less than 20 bucks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, you know, during the day it's fantastic. You can swim in the water. You can lay out if you wanted to. You can get a suntan if you wanted to. It's and being shorts and a t-shirt. But in the in the evening, it gets cool.
1: I hope it does. You know, and that's
2: and that's nice for sleeping. It's it's yeah. you just want to. What I'm saying is, you don't want to just be in a short, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt because you're gonna kind of be cold. Well, so. Probably just, just bring something to get you a little, keep you warm through the early morning, late night hours. Uh, Look at the yeah. Cause you're, if not, you will be,
1: you will be cold. We've done that. I've done that trip eight times. I think this is number nine. Um, fourth one we've kind of done as a volunteer effort, but I've done that trip. Gene Weldon. We did it. The first one we did we were, when BHA was, uh, promoting it. Um, we had a bunch of guys go out five days. It rained every day, and most days, like you were standing in the shower for hours. Still, an awesome trip. It was funny, but yes. it was, there was no bugs, and it wasn't uncomfortable. Unfortunately, it was a warm rain. I've done that trip where the entire five days, there's not a cloud in the sky. You're just getting torched, like you're in the river almost all the time. And when you're not in the river, because you just you're just getting beat on. I've had much more. I've had days, I've had trips where there's more bugs and other days where there's none. Mm-hmm. Last, I've had nights where you're sleeping on top of your sleeping bag with the fans and the little cabin, the little sleeping platforms blowing like crazy. And then we've had other times where guys are sleeping in sleeping bags with long johns. But that's the whole part of the outback and the outdoors, mm-hmm. right? All prep. This is not a you- difficult, you can make it difficult by being unprepared. Right, it is still very much an outback trip, but you come across complacer if you want to stop and go, grab a couple cold ones, ain't that far, right? It's it's that's I, exactly that's right. That's why I love this trip. You it's get exactly the whole right. mix.
2: That's exactly right. It 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 really is an outback trip. It's it's you better pre- prep like you're out in the outback, but there's going to be a few spots where you can stop and still kind of enjoy modern life. But um, yeah. It's good, man. It's an awesome trip. I was glad that I was able to go on the last one, and I'm looking forward to this one.
1: I'm still fifty fifty on buying that tank that Steve Miller posted on the Under Pressure Outdoors Nation page. <laughs> I, dude, I, I, I was a couple of cold I, ones I, into the night. So, I had to think of my cart until it said it took two months to deliver. I I'll like, tell you out. this:
0: it, 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 you talk about the UPO page. Before we were before we go ahead and cut this out because we're almost two minute, two hours in. Um, it. So you can follow us on Facebook, and that's all great and all. Uh, we would love for you to like and follow the Under Pressure Facebook page, but join the, the UPO Nation group because there's a whole different discussion that happens there all the time, and it's funny, and it, it, it's uh, conservation and comedy all wrapped into one, and it's a lot of fun. So uh, we'll, hope you, we'll catch you guys there. And if you want to grab it, you can write down there in the podcast description there's going to be a link to the UPO Nation page as well as to like and follow us on Facebook and to uh, check out our sponsor, which Jim is actually wearing the THWACK long sleeve yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, has more products. Has more outdoors. Be comfortable, so, man. Stay longer, kill more bucks. Dude, I, I, I cannot. I, I love that seat, but uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for joining us. And it's, it's been fun. We'll we see a lot of you guys out at the, uh, The Crawfish Boil and the uh, Swanee River Trip. All right.